I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey, I'm Michael Patton. I'm really excited about this because I am going to be able to shut down everything that Samson says. And I should be able to do that because I'm the president of Credo House Ministries and I've got this THM from DTS. Now listen to what he has to say. Hey, I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit and I'm really excited that Michael's going to shut down everything that I have to say. Uh, that's, that makes me excited. I have a MAR from uh, TSM. <laughs> I'll just, I'll say it like that. This is Divergent Theology, where we take topics, Michael and I both have bit different backgrounds theologically, and we sort of clash them together, and we, we see what happens when the world of theology actually doesn't agree with itself. Okay, I'm I'm really not getting okay. this one. Though. Okay, so... The, the faith is Jesus Christ. Yes. I mean, okay, whenever I think of faith, I think of uh, an action. Mm-hmm. I think of a... Of a uh, a place where you're you're resting in in Christ, you're you're uh, ceasing from your works and trusting. Uh, but then you say it is Christ. I don't see the uh, like you got ontological values for things. The ontology of faith it, it doesn't exist, but the ontology of Christ does. He's a person, flesh and bones. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to put those two together okay. and say, okay, now are we redefining faith to such a degree that now it doesn't really mean the same thing I thought it did, and so we need. A different definition for it. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying throw away your old understanding. I'm saying okay. that your 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 old understanding is incomplete. There's okay. there's more to it than that. If we go to Galatians um, three twenty three right now and okay. read it with this christological understanding, I'm I'm just going to uh, read through um, Galatians three twenty three to twenty nine here in the, in the Net Bible, and okay. and just listen to how Paul is um, using faith and Christ interchangeably personifying it here it says now Galatians 323 yes 323 to 29 I'm so, looking at it on Bible works okay even though they went out of business Bible works is the greatest software ever invented I'm looking at it in accordance and I'm using the dark mode accordance is the second best it is good <laughs> it is I I, I, I yeah. do enjoy it they I wish I, I wish full, I knew it they better. gave me the fullest thing of accordance that I could possibly get and uh, I told them when I finally understood it, I would write a review on it. I still <laughs> haven't gotten to that point. Well, I've sat down with, uh, with with professors that use accordance, and they show me little tricks in here that yeah. I never discovered before. I mean, they know it, it, it's almost like 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 working in calculus. You, you yeah. can put in like all if you know the formulas, all the formulas. You yeah. can you can really get a lot out Anything of it. With Bible works. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's let's think about. We're going to look at this and think about it like Christologically here. Now, before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, being kept as prisoners until the coming faith would be revealed. Thus, the law had become our guardian until Christ, so that we could be declared righteous by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Now, what DeBoer saw in here that was interesting was that you could read this and, and remove the word faith and put Christ in. Yeah. And it would read very similar to the Paul's apocalyptic understanding. If you if yeah. you held to, you know, the the uh, Paul being an apocalyptic um author. Not everybody does. And I think that that's a, that's a key for you know, reading this and understanding it. I'm one that actually uh, I I see that the more and more I look at this the more and more I I I like that that view and the more I see that. So So if, so again it's a personification of faith in this particular passage. Yes. Yeah. And and so if Christ is that faith, okay, and his sacrifice is eternal, then what this means is that this faith right here that can transcend time and space, this exact faith can be given to Abraham. It can go forward and backwards into time because of the eternality of it, because that faith is Christ. So the faithfulness by which Abraham believed, the faith which Abraham had was in fact Jesus Christ and the faith of Jesus Christ that had yet to be revealed in time, but apocalyptically had always been. Okay, okay. Then you're taking the the Galatians passage we just saw and you're saying here it, it has this personification of faith that faith here is Jesus Christ, they're interchangeable, then are you now kind of transferring this definition to all the other places? No, no, I'm not transferring it to all the okay. other places because I don't think that okay. Paul's doing that. Um, okay. Paul, I mean, he speaks, uh, if you go just back like one chapter in Galatians, he speaks very clearly of our own faith. Like our okay. own faith is in there. Like this is, you know, this is um, something else. Okay, good, And, good. and there are some... Um, there are some scholars that actually see our faith as a hybrid, that our faith was weak. And when we receive the faith of Christ, it enjoined with our faith and then strengthened it. So not only do you have the faith of Christ, which redeems, but you also then have uh, his faith uh, fused to our faith, which sustains. And so and, and so there's different ways of, of you know, kind of, of, of looking at that. But it's not that I'm, I'm trying to make the argument that our faith has no place at all. What I'm saying is that our faith doesn't have the place of benefit for ourselves. It actually has the place in this paradigmatic view in this function that it has its place. Our faith is for the benefit of someone else. Okay. It is even our faith, even our faith, our, not our, just Jesus's. Yeah, correct. But ours. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. our faith, because we are in Christ, his faith is our faith and our faith is, you know, fused in with it. So this okay. is why, it, it has power because if, you know, if it was just faith in whatever way that you want to define it, you know, just by itself, because of, because of the fall, it's, it's, it's imperfect. It's weak. It's, it's dead. You could say some people yeah. would say it's practically dead. Some people would just say it's ineffective if it's not dead. Nobody yeah. says we can muster up our own faith or our own courage to do that. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. No, okay. yeah, don't say nobody. I, I should say no, no, no serious scholar today would say that. I mean, you can go back to the middle ages and you could find, I mean, we touched on some of that already. And you could, Finney, Finney would, would. Oh, well, okay. You got me there. 
<laughs> he got me on that one. Um, yeah, but um, but it, but it's weird when you when you bring up like um, you know, stuff like that. Like you look at people like um, like Smith Wigglesworth, for example, yeah. and he looked at that as saying, "Yeah, we have the face of faith of Christ, meaning that we have the same type of faith, which is yeah. why we can do the same kinds of things." So yeah, so there are some people that you know would take it to. Uh, a larger extreme. So yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have said that, but, um, but the second uh, leg of the stool here, the paradigmatic is the one where it is the, the faith that you possess. Okay. Christ's faith is not for your benefit, but it's for the benefit of someone else. Okay. Okay. And this is specifically for those who are not seeking. Because that seems to be the way that God functions. You know, when he called Abraham, you know, Abraham wasn't seeking. Like Abraham was just being a, a pagan, doing his, his pagan things. He wasn't out seeking. Um, the uh, disciples, you know, they weren't seeking Christ. Christ went out and called them. Paul was not seeking Christ. Christ went out and called him. So it's 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 following this way. And um, uh, a book that kind of shows this, uh, this aspect of it that I, I really enjoyed reading was um, The Mission of God. I don't know if you read it or not, Christopher Wright. No, I haven't. It's, it, it's really, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective that this is God's mission. And really the, the argument for it, a main, a main thrust is that perhaps um, missions should not be under um, uh, ecclesiology, but missions should be under theology proper. Because this is the way that God does. God is constantly coming out and seeking us and bringing us back. And so this paradigmatic function of faith is, is us being those workers and us going out and, and reaching and grabbing people and, and okay. bringing them in. Okay. So that yeah. would be, so that's the, the, the second leg of it. Does that make sense? I think so. I think maybe the third leg may help me out a little bit more, but I'm seeing I'm seeing almost this uh, not just personification, but but where you're taking faith and um, it is it is becoming, you know, it's it's more like, you know, whenever you talk about uh, uh, somebody that is in the faith or of the faith or the faith is going to save us or, you know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's interchanging it now with the church and everything else, too, yeah. that this faith. Since it since it is Christ, at least in in this view here, at least this part of it, since it is Christ, then whenever it uh, is in us, it is Christ in us, and therefore it is that that transfers Christ transfers. Yeah, and this is and 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 with the church being the body of Christ, possessing the faith of Christ, you know, we're to we're to go out into the world, we're to you know, um, to to do missions work. This is where I get in trouble with a lot of Reformed theologians because they tell me this sounds too Roman Catholic. Because mm. what you're doing is you are putting the church in this place that is the one who possesses this type of faith and, you know, extra ecclesia, no less loose outside the church. There is no salvation. And they say, we, we, so it's, it's almost, I see it as a sacramental thing. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can put it into a sacramental thing, you know, understanding, yeah. but, but basically the main thrust of it is, Goodness, I, I can't see anything further away from Roman Catholicism. If, if I'm understanding you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people, but I've, I've just letting you know that it, it can be pushed in that way. People have accused me of that because basically what I'm saying with a paradigmatic function is the body of Christ. And if you define that as, you know, the visible only not visible and invisible, or um, you, you look at it as more of um, 
uh, more structured or however you're, you're viewing the, the church body. And they yeah. would say, well, what you're saying is that, you know, the church body is now the one who is taking this faith out to people. And it started from Christ and he, you know, gave it to the disciples, the apostles then took it and, and just spread out. And yeah. so wherever the gospel went, that's where Christianity was. It's not like we had, you know, Christianity just popping up all over the world randomly. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed organic. It seemed to be moving, you yeah. know, from person to person, from faith to faith, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the, the main understanding. Well, let me, let me ask you something yep. this way. Um, and, and I know that you, you're not, like you said earlier, you're not denying other aspects. You're just adding something. And, uh, I don't know if this will eventually then get added to the others once you're done, but, uh, let's let's put it this way: um, the communal aspect of faith and the faith that we have we have is Christ, and we transfer it that way. That's how it is uh, transferred. It's not a work. It's not a work that somebody else does. It's a, it's a transfer of love, Christ Himself. Then, um, and I know that this is just a very very practical question, and uh, um, that that may seem uh, too simplistic, but I think it's very real. Whenever you think about it, especially as an evangelical, so you take uh, the Gideons. I'm a Gideon, right? Mm -hmm. And Gideon's uh, put down. I, I, once a Gideon, always a Gideon. I, I haven't done anything with the Gideon since. Uh, Are you left-handed? Twenty-two. Yes, I am. Oh, why? there you go. Perfect. Why? Why? Was it? Was it Gideon? Wasn't he left-handed? He uh, stabbing yeah, guys. Okay, and... okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. But um, so uh, you know, we put Bibles and we put them in hotel rooms. <laughs> and so is is that in any sense? Does that have the ability to transfer the faith of Christ? Yeah, because what it is, is think of it, um, if you think of it corporately and you think of it culturally, so what yeah. you're doing in the culture and, and what you, that's part of this paradigmatic function of faith. That's another aspect of it. Okay. So the more that you're, that you're. But, but in this case, in that case, can you have, can you have the effects of the faith? See, right now you, you have, okay, the effects of the faith coming through the church who is uh, is holding that faith and is Christ for us. And then they got it from somebody else. They got it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Is there a direct transferal instead of going through a body of people? Is there sometimes a direct line to Christ where Christ says, all right, you know, I'm, I'm transferring this directly to you. I, I The way that I would answer that is uh, I would say it's the same way I look at the supernatural sign gifts. I would say that it's it's not outside the realm of possibility, okay. but it would seem that the way that God does it primarily has been through the church. Okay. And yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Look at Acts chapter ten. Yeah, the because I mean, could even do it through the angel. Had to send for Peter. Yeah, but there, but you hear stories of, um, you know, dreams, uh, dreams. Yeah, yeah Muslims in, in in having dreams and coming to Christ, and and yeah. but then you have to wonder, okay, well, is is the Jesus that they're they're reading from the Quran making them kind of curious, and maybe they've had some Christian influence here or there, and with and with how global the world is right now on the internet, and you know, did they hear something or read something? But this is all part of the the paradigmatic function so right. you know when when you couple that with the theological function why don't you call it the communal function oh hey i didn't see you there i am samson kovach i'm the co-host of divergent theology and the host of uh the theology pit here to take a moment of your time to you know shamelessly plug some of our stuff that we do now 
I know you've been asking yourself while you're watching these episodes of Divergent Theology, hey, how can I become a Divergent Theologian? Well, that's a great question. First thing you have to do, well, you have to know why you believe what you believe. And the reason for that is because you have to know what's in the realm of, let's say, non-heresy and the realm of heresy. You have to know how far you can go and diverge in each direction and still remain an Orthodox Christian. What's that? <laughs> yes, the best way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is to go to crudohouse.org. Now, what I would recommend is you start off with the discipleship program. Discipleship program is a great way to get an introduction into, you know, what you believe as a Christian. It's broken down into uh, 10 sessions here. Michael's done a good job with this, uh, looking at the Bible, mankind, the Trinity, Jesus, faith, like um, living with God, those sort of things. Um, it's in, you know, two separate sections, but this is if you really are new to the faith or kind of you're thinking of a way, hey, how in my church can I teach something? It's a great, uh, great ministry tool. But you're saying, Samson, look, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian a while. I want to go deeper. Oh, okay. We have the theology program here. I would say you start off with your introduction to theology. You can all find all of this stuff, credohouse.org, and uh, go through the six-course program, and you'll know a little bit more about why you believe what you believe. Now, as a divergent theologian, and I've you know taught and worked with uh, Credo House, even back when it was called Reclaiming the Mind, um, on my podcast, you notice the Theology Pit, where you can go to theologypit.com, you can get great things like mugs and shirts. I have some new shirts that I've made up. says, I can do all things through scripture taken out of context. Support the ministry that way. You'll notice that I diverge a little bit more. I'm neither a Calvinist nor am I an Arminian. I'm free to do that. Uh, there are other things out there, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's where you can be a divergent theologian. So check out the sites. Check out the the books and all the wonderful resources that we have at both of these sites and the podcasts. Don't forget Theology Unplugged, one of the biggest podcasts, theological podcasts on Apple. Another nice little tip when you're learning Greek, use cards. Use your Greek cards as bookmarks. It's great. Apocrinomai. Hey, <laughs> answer indeed. Oh, Michael, what are you thinking? because I, I took these terms from Ian Wallace's dissertation yeah. and, um, and, and I just, I, I like the whole, the paradigm aspect of it. Um, and, but you know, we, um, it's a work in progress. This is, yeah. this isn't I, just for me. It's a little bit more descriptive. Okay. Yeah. If you want to I do know from, from the background standpoint, you're behind the scenes mm -hmm. and it's less descriptive because you have all the little pieces. But yeah. for me, I think, if we say the communal aspect, if that's if that's a proper uh, way to communal say it, or, I think I, I'm still following you. Yeah, you know, um, maybe maybe koinonia would be a, a better way, like a church. I mean, to get more specific than just okay. like a community generic, but like specifically the church. Um, okay. And but but it's it has to entail what the church is supposed to be doing. 
which is evangelizing, which is doing missions, with which is going out there, not, you know, being like us Presbyterians, the frozen chosen, you know, being being yeah. static, but like actually going out, engaging the world, engaging the culture and and, you know, moving things forward. OK. OK. So um, so the third one, if that's clear as mud, then the third one mm-hmm. now is the the canonic function. And this is the one that um, we're going to identify with. We're going to understand and we're going to identify with. And this is the the understanding that Jesus is the source, the object and the substance of faith that believers are apprehending and expressing from having been justified. Okay, so Jesus is the faith in which the church and those within the church trust in for an unbelieving world. Okay, did that did that make sense? I don't know. I think you're going to have to keep on unpacking it because now I'm like, uh, how does this is this supposed to is is there any sense in which this triangle that we're going through um, has a uh, has a priority to where you have to start the first one, then you go to the second, then you go to the third? Or is it these are all three kind of separate but related aspects of faith? Yeah, these are they're 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 separate but related, but they are all faith. So it's um, it's like when you say um, and I know these three different definitions of faith or is it three aspects of faith that make up the definition you're trying to get to? Yeah, three, three aspects that make up the definition. It's like when when you would ask, um, you know, if you're going to describe God to me, take me, you know, take me to the verse in the Bible that describes God. Yeah. And it's like, well, you have to understand the totality of it. You have to understand what's going on. And then you yeah. get the picture. And yeah. and I think that faith is like that. Like faith is just just much bigger. So so the faith of Christ and uh, um and the faith that is Christ is this eternal reality. And it's the reason why, you know, Abraham believed in in um the faith of the Messiah was because it was the Messiah who was the one who called Abraham. And believing on the one who was and is and is to come is tangible evidence of the reality of God's trust, you know, trustworthiness. Well, what, so, what do you think about this? I mean, when we're talking about the gospel and you're talking about Abraham, you're talking about him getting the faith of Christ as well, the substance from yeah. that faith or what it is. Um, how, how is it that that was transferred as far as the, the, the um, I don't know, uh, you know, talking about what did Abraham himself see? him acquiring how did he you know from his perspective how did he acquire it and the reason why i ask this is simply because mm-hmm. well, it's real easy for us we got the gospel you know we we tell the gospel jesus christ died on the cross for our sins and so on i'm yeah. trying to figure out what what the content of this looked like from the outside you know from from abraham's perspective yeah okay yeah what it would look like is um the the seal and it's it's uh romans 4 i think 11 and 12 where it is the seal of the holy spirit that was put on Abraham and the descendants that they believed on Yahweh, that they right. believed on, on him. So um, it's not so much knowing the name of Jesus, but knowing the reality of Yahweh and, and right. who he is and what he does by, um, you know, calling the things into existence that do not yet exist as though they already do by making the dead alive. Like this is what Paul says, Abraham was coming to the realization of it's, it's like saying, um, you have faith. Uh, your faith is the realization that you have been justified. 
um, Tom Torrance said it like this. He said um, that faith is the mode of human reason that has been adapted to divine revelation. So the mode of human reason adapted to divine revelation. And I think that's a really good way of thinking about, about faith from the canonic understanding. It's that you've come to this point where you realize that God has justified you, that, that this, this faith has come to you. And is there any central aspects that you have to have to, uh, at least have present in order to acquire this faith from, from Christ? I mean, such as, um, you know, we, we talk about, you have to recognize you're a sinner. Um, yeah, I would say, no, I would, I I would say no. Um, and and the reason why I say no, and I know that's not, it's not very popular to, to say that is because I, I think that God only saves in one way. I don't think that he has a bunch of different salvation plans. And so, you know, if you don't have the cognitive ability to be able to do those things, then are you excluded? And if it is based on the cognitive ability of, you know, doing these things, then isn't that just a work? So if this faith has come to you from, you know, from the, the righteousness of God, the faithfulness of Christ through Christ's body, through the church, that they are bringing this faith to you and that it is by the, the faith and righteousness of God through the body of the church that you have been justified and you realize that you have been justified. You now possess this faith and the purpose of this justifying faith is to then justify someone else, to take it to it. You okay, are, but, but at least in the justification, you have to have a recognition or I'm not saying you have to beforehand. It includes a recognition of your own inability to be, you're, you're not perfect and your own inability to justify yourself. No, I would say no. I would say that that yeah, is doesn't the, include that. No, I would say that that is the that that is the split between justification and sanctification. That that is the hard, you know, split right there. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so there's is there any content at all that necessarily comes with this, other than belief in Yahweh? Um, I mean, like whatever we say, believe in Yahweh. We have descriptive things, you know. Believe in Yahweh, and then then we have to tell a little bit about what we mean, or people could take the name of Yahweh, just like Jesus. You know, there's there's four four different Jesuses by the time the apostles were here. Whenever he asked who do men say that I am, and so you always have to kind of build and have the correct Jesus, and then the correct God here. Is there aspects of his character, his nature that are always inclusive? Of the kind of the sine qua non, without which yeah. not, I, I would have. I would say yes in salvation as a whole, no in justification. The, the the justification aspect is based on another. It is based on someone outside of you. When you have come to the realization that you have been justified, it is the start of that. That is the start of your sanctification. That is well, that the, beginning aspect of it. Justification includes some type of new ability. To uh, to understand and accept the things of the Spirit of God, like you know, uh, in First Corinthians, um, it, I think that it would vary uh, from person to person. This is where, and I know we we've never really talked about the noetic effect of the fall. We've we've never discussed it, and I know that you know you don't hold to it, but um, uh, that the effect of the fall affects people differently in different ways. There are different um, effects of sin. 
and because there are these different effects of sin, that the way in which people you know, may come to this understanding is different. You have some people that have that Damascus Road experience and boom, everything's yeah. opened up to them. And then you have some that, you know, maybe came about it slower. And then at some point, you know, they just realized, oh, wow, this is actually really true. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll plug a, a theology program thing for you here real quick. Whenever I started teaching that, at my church, there was a lady who was kind of hesitant about signing up because she didn't think she was smart enough for it or anything like that. Mm. I talked her into it and she went through all the classes, all, all, all six of the courses with me. And she told me at the end, she was so happy that she did it because before she took those classes, she didn't even know or realize that Jesus was the son of God. Mm. And so what do you say about that movement? You know, well, she doesn't, she couldn't articulate the faith. Was she really a believer? You know, did she, where was that aspect at? But it was through that, that program and through that understanding that she came to this realization, you know, okay. that this had happened. Okay. So, so that's, so that's what I'm, um, you know, I, I'm kind of getting at with. I, I think I'm hanging with you. I don't think, uh, I think I'm hanging with you to such a degree that, you know, I'm, uh, this is, this is. I mean, in my mind, like I said last time, this is kind of the way a lot of Calvinists go that I know. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. Okay, so you've almost like taken like I did and and taken the Doctrine of Sola Fide and you have taken away this aspect of it but you've you've added it and enhanced it to where it's more sola fide than anybody ever really realized correct yeah the idea of faith within justification is much larger and much more richer and dynamic than yeah it's much more much more alone too really i mean if you think about it <laughs>